Hey, this is Tyler. Some people have asked how they can support the podcast, and I'm super grateful for this request. The best way is to share an episode with someone you might think like the subject matter. Uh, the next best way is to leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave a comment. Uh, the more you do this, the more these platforms will promote it and bring it into the orbit with people who may have similar listening habits. Uh, you can listen to us on most major podcast listening platforms. If you still feel like making a donation, you can go into the episode description and there's a link to the webpage where you can do that. Our Instagram is at Canon Dispatch. Our email to reach out for feedback and questions and comments is Canon Dispatch Podcast at gmail.com. And there's also a Substack. Thanks for listening and now on to the episode. People, how's it going? It's the Cannon Dispatch, back at it. Did a, like a five kilometer walk slash run today. It was gorgeous outside. We've been, we've been lucky. We've been lucky with this really amazing weather. It was like 50 degrees Fahrenheit. So around 12 degrees Celsius. I'm getting better with my calculations there. And uh, did that, did some grocery shopping. Took a long nap, which I haven't done that in a while. And I got up and I had some thoughts and I started writing. And then here we are. So right now we're clearly in some kind of like very acute turning point when it comes to this conversation of free speech and independent thought, etc. Um, there was this war on Chappelle last year because of some jokes he made on a special and then now there's this war on Joe Rogan because many say he promotes mis like misinformation by giving a platform to like fringe scientists and other kind of people that are that have theories that maybe don't fit a mainstream narrative. So wherever you stand on the political atmosphere, that's your business. But we've arrived in an age where everything, like every opinion, every word and every act that you do can be weaponized and used against you. Uh, so it, it made me start thinking about these things. So back in the day, pre-internet, all of the news and the, and the events uh, that the news reported on were siphoned into local and national news networks. And these local news networks were sort of smaller conglomerates of larger networks. So I grew up just just south of Atlanta, and I remember like Fox 5, WSB, and the national information was sort of delved out to these smaller agencies daily, like almost like a, a teacher passing out worksheets to these smaller agencies. And so like someone in Washington State would get a touch of the same national news as say someone in Baton Rouge. And at the same time, there were radios too, right? And they were doing the same thing. All of these agencies, uh, they were connected to a larger network. And if you found yourself listening to like nationally syndicated radio or watching the news, you were getting this information. There was no other way to do it. And from this, it was easy to put out and sort of like control information, disinformation, misinformation, all that. After the internet came, all that changed, right? Like it broke somewhat the control monopoly 
over like the, the monopoly over attention and over information and uh the internet gave normal people platforms and then when the iphone came out i think that was like 2008 ish everything really changed we could get info straight like straight from the teeth and and now we see it all over the place something happens in japan we can see it in real time from hundreds like thousands of different angles viewpoints and then it's up to us to try to you know search out these things put the pieces together in our minds but and then you take that information uh anecdotal and then you mix it with traditional journalism and it gets us gives us this like new unique 360 even more than that perspective on news quotation marks that uh one that is more so not tainted with opinions that sort of usher us to choose one side of the aisle and then when you get on that side of the aisle you it creates a narrative to like demonize and then bemoan others who may disagree with you right um news like watching the news is seductive like sirens on the rocks and it calls us it calls to us and beckons us and fondles our chosen ideologies and initiates these echo chambers in our minds, echo chambers, ingo chambers, echo chambers in our minds. And then it feels, it feels like it feeds a monster inside of us until it grows into something that's very difficult, uh, difficult to control. And that's when we start thinking that it matters uh, our opinion on these things about some random event that maybe actually has nothing to do with us and our day-to-day -day lives but it's causing you to be angry and to like argue with a coworker or a spouse but in reality we don't have to have an opinion about everything some things we can just ignore move on stop following whatever i understand well i think i understand the need and the desire to feel informed but it's nice like it's nice to know things and it makes us feel like we're a good citizen because we know this information uh but we have to be careful what we let into our minds. And since the internet is now king, more people have platforms to say what they want about whatever. This, of course, is a great thing, but that doesn't mean that it's perfect. Most things that we do and use, okay, let's say I'll use capitalism, for example. Capitalism is the best economic system that humans have found to date. That doesn't mean that it's perfect in every way, because we all know of avenues where capitalism allows people to be pieces of shit to others for sake of the almighty, of the almighty dollar, like the pharmaceutical industry, Wall Street, uh, insider trading, all that stuff. The same goes with free speech, right? Like the fact that you have a right to say anything doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to be without criticism. Uh, or the fact that uh, you might be able to say something and you have a total shit opinion doesn't mean that you shouldn't be allowed to say it because somebody disagrees with you, right? That's the badassness of free speech. Like, neo-Nazi assholes should have the right to say whatever they want, and anti-Nazis have the right to call them assholes. So the internet gives the everyday individual a platform, 
And in a sense, it undermined and continues to undermine these large news agencies who, by the way, are paid for by lobbyists and control groups, uh, controlled by groups of people with a lot of money, and they have a vested interest in your attention, our uh, attention. And the everyday person like sort of broke up the monopoly of attention that they had. And now, which is a huge benefit, is that a lot of people have left or leaving uh, major news networks like journalists are leaving and also people are stopping to watch these major news networks and they're watching or starting independent journals like in Substack or YouTube channels, Instagram, TikToks, whatever. And it's really an unprecedented time for that. But there's also a shift in who has this power now too. The power is now in the platform from where the news is reported. So before it was like these major you know, news networks like you know the... NBCs and the CBS and the Foxes and stuff like that. Um, now we have you know YouTube, Google, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Spotify, Netflix, these things, and all these companies now have a power to remove people if it goes against their company guidelines, which by the way can be changed very quickly. And a lot of those rules are based on interpretation, really. Um, they have the the ability to control more information like in in our times now these companies have the ability the ability to control more information than all of the rulers religious clergy and government officials of history and that's because information now is is so ubiquitous and it's so easily accessible that they can now modify this information um, so it's like a new kind of monopoly for attention. It's and it, and honestly, I I feel like it's more powerful. Uh, it's more insidious because it's always on our it's always on our phones and our phones are always on us. So like you 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 have to like consciously disconnect from it. Whereas before you had to be sitting in front of a TV or or in front of a radio to like get this news. Um. And you know, with this whole thing this the i don't know the narrative mob pc culture uh these people don't like this because since the source is now decentralized it brings it seems like it brings our system into chaos which is why it seems like i feel in the last few years that we've gone back socially it's really it's just it's really odd um Everybody assumes that everything is so easy to understand, but we see more and more that it's everything's not so easy to to understand. Um, you know, all this stuff was put out to us years ago when we we all watched the same news programs and listened to the same radio shows and everything that was easy. Uh, even like the textbooks in high school, you know, we learn as we get older that a lot of it was just a mountain of bullshit. And now these internet and streaming companies are starting to censor the these individuals. And, you know, because again, they're not fitting the narrative. So, you know, someone like Joe Rogan has all kinds of people on his podcast from conspiracy theorists and musicians and scientists, doctors, comedians, UFOlogists, whatever. Uh, he's just a normal dude from Boston who 
did odd jobs and stuff like that. And then, I mean, he used to work for Fear Factor for crying out loud. And now, and then he found himself like having conversations with people and then recording them. And that's it. He often disagrees with them, but we all are able to learn so much from listening to these conversations, not from him necessarily, but from these people. I mean, he smoked weed with Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, you know, hung out with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, these kind of intimate conversations are a like a gift to listeners and that kind of thing never happened and never could happen back in the day when the when the major news networks were running the gamut on our brains and filling it with a bunch of shit like they might interview someone and then have to edit it for time and content because it didn't fit something and then we get a watered down version of what could have been a conversation that touched people and I actually reached out to them you know like, for example, I had no idea the real atrocities of North Korea. You, know, you read stuff, whatever. But I listened to an episode that he did with um, a woman who escaped from that regime. And it, it was insane. Like, it brought me to tears at a few points. And there was no producer, no asshole telling him that what he could or couldn't ask or say a certain thing. It was just two people talking. And it's those beautiful textures of real conversations that are now threatened to be censored because they don't fit into a neat little box. To resort to censoring of any kind, books, podcasts, movies, whatever, is to subsume that the perfect society exists. And that notion, as we all know, is a very dangerous one. When we get to a point in society where we can no longer tell jokes, that's the sign of society that is is sick. Like double standards are everywhere. And if they aren't successful in silencing you one way, they'll get you another way until they smear your name so hard into the mud that you no longer matter. And they do this, uh, you know, with political candidates and all sorts of professionals all the time. And that's the dark side of the system that we live in. There's this author named Erica Christakis. Uh, she's an early childhood educator and a lecturer. She used to lecture at Yale. She became famous a couple years back. I don't know how long ago it was for some comments on like these Halloween costumes at Yale. And, you know, you could look it up. And she wrote as a part uh, in she wrote in a letter concerning that incident that free speech and the ability to tolerate Offense are the hallmarks of a free and open society. And, I mean, to be clear, I'm not only talking about America here. This is an issue the world over. We see it time and time again. You know, I'm not trying to stir up any kind of shit with this talk here, but only bring, like, this conversation to the forefront of, you know, my tiny audience here. That we have to do our best to embrace uncertainty, embrace disagreement, look at these things as an opportunity to improve something that isn't perfect already. And this can only happen if you don't allow censorship of others. You don't censor yourself. Uh, you pay attention to what you pay attention to. You focus on improving relationships, our health, and making our lives better. Everyone feels 
at some point obliged or that it's right to throw stones, but that's cheap and easy. But it's so much harder to look at ourselves and correct what we might be doing wrong. And, you know, improving ourselves and fixing what we can around us on a daily basis is where real change begins. Uh, I'm going to make like another, uh, like a cat poster, like a cat jumping over a star or something with that quote on it. Or maybe a sticker. Then I'm going to like vandalize the city with it. We should have the freedom to be able to make fun of or say anything we want, criticize, loathe, satirize, whatever. But, you know, part of that whole thing is that after you say that, somebody can call you a dick for what you said. That's free speech. Doesn't mean that you're protected from it. Doesn't mean that. It just means that you should be able to say whatever you want to say. It seems to me that since the internet came and like break up these large media companies that had our attention um the way of censoring is changing as well and the more time that goes on the more people understand that we've been given lines of falsehoods by these huge huge companies and while some people buy into this like atrocity Others are waking up to it, and these divisive narratives are obviously created to pit us against one another instead of helping one another. It's important to stop using our finite energy for negative shit and instead use it to build positive things. And that was my thoughts. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can listen to this podcast. Well, if you're already listening to it, then you already know, but uh, if somehow you came here by one way or another, it's basically listed anywhere where you can hear podcasts. We have an email address, which is canondispatchpodcast at gmail.com. We have an Instagram at canondispatch, and there's a sub stack. Thank you for listening, and we're Talk to you next week.